Welcome to Maidens of Metal and Mayhem, a podcast about all things metal, horror, with a dash of mayhem. Welcome to another episode of MoMAM. This week, we wanted to talk about the craft and the craft legacy. So the reason we wanted to go with this one is this is one of MJ's, well, the craft is one of MJ's favorite movies of all time. So why not talk about it? You know, like there's, I think a lot to unpack with them, both of them and their differences and similarities. Yeah, I love the craft. It's probably one of my favorite movies of all time, because when it came out in 1996, I was like 15 or 16 years old. And I went with my girlfriends. There were four of us and we went and saw it and it blew our minds. It uh, meant a lot to our friendship because at the time we were all like, well, maybe we're Wiccans. And we kind of explored all that together. But we, um, you know, it, we, it was very meaningful to us because it was a story about women. It was a story about women and finding their power. And as a 15, 16 year old, it was very impactful to me. And it's, it's stuck with me ever since. I've seen it way too many times. I can quote a lot of the movie and um, I even know like, I can even tell you like weird little things about the movie. Just, it's a fantastic movie. I mean, I enjoy the movie. I think it's a really fun watch. I definitely have not seen it as many times as you have, <laughs> but I think I really enjoy the fact that it's really centered about like women empowerment and like forming and focusing on like women's friendships and how powerful and important those are, especially for like teenagers, just being able to have like a group of girls to like, you know, help each other out, I think is a really great story. And I think it's something that especially in like 96 was really important to have. I think it's a really fun story. Obviously you do too. It is. It's a it's a fun uh, movie from start to finish. Um, you know, we have Feruza Bulk as Nancy Downs, Robin Tooney as Sarah Bailey, Nev Campbell as Bonnie, and Rachel True as Rochelle. I've had the pleasure of meeting all four of these girls. Uh, probably one of the uh, best days of my life, besides from being born and meeting my husband and marrying him. It, it's it's up there. Um, and things that make me happy. And these women are so badass. All four of these women are just so badass in this movie. You know, you have Nancy Downs, who she's she is a fan favorite, even though she is the villain. And I think it's because a lot of people identify with her. She's she's an abused character. She has no power. She has no money. She's you know, treated like shit by Ski Ulrich's character. She has not a whole lot going good for her. And then you have Robin Tooney's character, who definitely has um, a very dark background, a past. You know, she was, uh, her mother died during childbirth. She also was going through some problems. She was having, you know, thought she was going crazy because of some of the things that she was capable of doing and tried to commit suicide. And, you know, you have Neff Campbell, who 
her character Bonnie is, you know, severely burned as a child and you get the sense that she was really badly bullied and she feels very ugly. And Rachel True's character, Rochelle, she, they, and we've dis- we discussed this before we talked, they didn't give her enough story. Unfortunately not. But what story she did have was so important. Important for the time and important for me as a young woman. Seeing, you know, a young, a black female go to high school and be picked on because for the sole fact that she's black. But it had, that had such an impact on me. It, it gave me a chance to kind of see that perspective from her. Um, and it was impactful. All of, all of their stories um, were just very impactful to me. Um, I kind of identified with them all. I think I identified more with Feruza's character, you know, because she just, she can't get a break, this girl. Uh, Sarah uh, Bailey, um, she's supposedly a natural witch, though they don't really go in a whole lot into natural witches versus what the other girls were, which not. They kind of do, though, because the whole thing with... Sarah's character is the fact that like her mother was a witch, her grandmother was. So it's like a hereditary line, whereas the other girls have just innate like magical powers. So that's why Sarah was necessary because she completed the four, but she also had that ancestral magic to draw from to kind of boost everyone else who had just like innate ability, but not as much as she did because she has like the family line to draw from. If that makes sense, yes. So she's she's a she's a natural witch, and you know as we learned throughout the movie, she's also the most powerful. But it takes a lot for her to realize exactly how powerful she is. And then we also have the abuse of power, Nancy Downs. She takes, as the woman says, she takes it to a dark place, and I and I strongly believe that's you know because of her of her history of just never winning i think part of that too was coming from like a place where she wasn't winning and she had pretty much nothing except magic to like to look forward to and to have like any semblance of power so the moment she got that taste instead of using it to kind of lift herself up which she did do at the beginning she more used it as a way to attack other people and to bring down other people and I think that's the difference between her and Sarah is Sarah kind of in a different sense kind of started off with nothing you know like she's the brand new kid she's kind of recovering from you know an attempt on at her own life so she kind of comes up from nothing in like a different sense where like she obviously her parents come from money obviously she has like the material side of things taken care of but like I guess socially and emotionally she's at this a similar level where she has nothing and she takes that getting the power instead of lashing out at others she tries to kind of build up herself and her community in a sense I mean granted she does make a lot of mistakes along the way but I think that's like the ultimate difference between Nancy and Sarah's characters is how they take that like new power and how they use it yes I have to say Feruza Bulk just 
killed that character. She she is that character, even though she really is the sweetest person. I, I've you know gotten to meet her in person, and she's so sweet and she's so quiet. But she is she is that character. Yeah, I don't I don't think you could find another actress to pull off Nancy properly. No, she played she played crazy perfect. <laughs> you know, especially at the end when she's like, "I'm flying, I'm flying." Oh God, it's so it's so good. Her acting is just amazing in this movie. Robin Tooney, she was just getting off of uh, Empire Records. And uh, I don't, a lot of people know this, a lot of people don't know this, that she was bald in uh, Empire Records They because she shaved her head. So in the movie, The Craft, she's wearing a wig through the entire movie. If you look at the scene where she changes her hair color, Oh man, you you can you can see. Yeah, that blonde wig was rough. <laughs> um, granted, her like normal like mousy brown wig, at certain points is also kind of rough. <laughs> um, that hairline is, Ooh. <laughs> but, I mean, I think it was like it was smart. I know um some of like the behind the scenes stuff I read is I think was either one of the producers or one of the casting directors almost wanted her to just have her like shaved head in the movie and they kind of were like oh that might audiences might not relate to that even though it's like super rad got this like grunge punk vibe and would probably fit into the movie I still think the hair is fine I think it kind of fits with like Sarah's character I think a bit more than if she had like a a buzz cut in my opinion yeah, well, I mean, the, Sarah's character, she's she's more delicate, very delicate, emotional. She's definitely like a girly girl, definitely the girly girl of the group. And I love all of when they, you know, get together and they start, you know, becoming really good friends with each other and discovering their powers. I love how they helped each other with their spells it's just there was so much love amongst those girls you know in those scenes where they're helping each other you know bonnie wanted to get rid of her scars rachel true wanted laura lizzie um to stop picking on her because she's black nancy downs well she just wanted power she was just power hungry (laughs) well as rochelle said she wanted to not be white trash anymore and you have Sarah's character who, you know, is kind of getting back at Skeet Ulrich for being a dick. Yeah. But what I will say is I think really um, interesting is I find that, like, all four of them got exactly what they wanted, like, how they said it. But in the end, like, it's still kind of twisted on them, which I think was, an in- like, a interesting thing to do that because I think that kind of draws from, like, you know, actual witchcraft and people that actually, you know, do spells and like actively practice witchcraft, which is the thought of you may get what you want, but it's not going to be exactly how you want it. So you shouldn't expect to get like the perfect ideal situation because it's probably not what's going to happen. And so I think that was like an interesting way to kind of show like they got exactly what they wanted, but it didn't end how they, how they expected it to. Well, because 
all of the, I mean, all of the spells were kind of like selfish spells, right? Oh, yeah. And I think that's why, like, they got what they wanted at face value, but then it went past where they wanted to. Like, for instance, like, Rochelle didn't want Laura's entire head of hair to fall out and her to be bald. You know, like, that's not what she intended. She just wanted her to have a taste of her own medicine. And throughout the movie, as, like, her hair is continuing to fall out and she just gets sadder and sadder, you can see Rochelle, like, kind of reflecting on that hateful choice she made and feeling bad about it. And unfortunately, you know, with Sarah's spell, she almost gets assaulted by Chris. So, like, it was just, like, full force love and, like, infatuation with her rather than what she was looking for, which was, like, companionship. Right. It it backfired on her big time. Because he was so obsessed with her, he would do anything to be with her, including hurting her. Exactly. And, you know, uh, Nancy wanted money, wealth, and Bonnie wanted to be beautiful. That's vanity. I think the only ones that felt bad was uh, Rochelle's character and um, Sarah's character. And the other two were mm, not so much. Well, I think with Bonnie, I think it was less of, like, an obvious, like, issue, you know, like, where it went too far. I think with her, it's once she, you know, her scars were healed and she was, you know, deemed herself beautiful, she kind of, like, her whole personality, like, switched. And, like, what made her, like, a crucial part of the team and being the one that was, like, you know, the, the one that read all the books and was, like, you know, had all the knowledge and stuff. She kind of pulled back from that and she became a lot more shallow of a character once she kind of had the confidence and felt like more pretty and like had that pretty privilege that she wanted. And she became so drawn to Nancy because Nancy was kind of like the ringleader, the head of the group. And she just wholeheartedly followed Nancy and just became like almost like her little um, henchman almost and stopped using her own intuition and her own viewpoints and kind of lost it follow Nancy so she can continue to be beautiful and not be scarred. Same same with uh, Rachel True's character, Rochelle. She just kind of falls in line. But I will say, I think Rochelle, at least towards the end, she seemed to be a little, she seemed to waver a little bit more, at least a little bit faster than Bonnie did. Because Bonnie was just so infatuated with this power and the fact that it took away her scars so quickly. And I think, it's even, I think, apparent more so in like how they dress afterwards like at that like end resolution part where Rochelle kind of bounces back to like how she was dressing before all of this happened whereas Bonnie kind of still is wearing like the more darker edgier stuff right and at the end when um they meet up with Sarah again they're like hey you want to hang out are you still powerful or not so they were only they weren't there because they cared they were there because they wanted the power oh yeah I think it's this movie is like a really good almost cautionary tale to like, yes, you know, women friendships and women having friends and having like a closely knit group of you know female friends is important. But it's also like a cautionary tale in a way where it's like, but when you start overstepping boundaries and start doing things behind each other's back and like intentionally hurting each other, that's when it becomes an issue and that's when it's a problem. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a story of how wonderful female friendships can be. And it's just also a story about how terrible we can be to each other. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a cautionary tale to try to 
kind of get the viewer to sway away from a lot of the negative parts and just really focus on the fact that like women, you know, building community with each other is really important and having, you know, a group of women to have your back and like lean back on is really important, but trying to avoid a lot of the stereotypical like nastiness that can come with that. Because as we know, women can be quite vicious to one another. Yeah, and usually for no reason. (laughs) Usually for no reason, which is something that I hope, you know, women would stop fucking doing and just, you know, support each other once and for all. But it it shows it it the movie shows how how wonderful we can be and how fucking evil we can be. Oh yeah, and especially as teenagers cuz teenagers are ruthless <laughs> sometimes. Right? I mean, I I stand with my chemical romance. Teenagers scared the living shit out of me. <laughs> Myself as a teenager kind of scares the living shit out of me too. So, oh my god. So, yeah, I think overall, I mean, I definitely have some things with the original craft that I'm like a little about, I'm not a huge fan of. Like for me, I I like the fact that they did have like pagans and Wiccans on set to kind of inform how they were showing off witchcraft and how, you know, they were trying to make it somewhat realistic. I think that was a really good move and something that honestly I wouldn't have expected them to even consider doing in like the late 90s um but a good move on i think on their part personally i think because it definitely i think in the 90s there was like this misconception that witchcraft was only like bad and you have to worship the devil and it's all like satanic and evil and it's like you actually talk to like a practicing witch it's usually quite the opposite usually it's just like earth worship and just like focusing on trying to like better yourself and the people you care about yeah, it's it's a pretty much a very uh, peaceful religion. Well, group of religions. I mean, the thing is that's interesting with like witchcraft, though, is it's not necessarily religion based. Like you can be a Catholic witch. You can be a Jewish witch. You can be a pagan witch, a Wiccan witch. Like it's not necessarily religion based, although Wicca is like a big one within like the witchcraft like community. And this movie specifically goes into, like, Wicca, specifically. Like, that's where they focused, I think. I think it was a good, it was a good, like, humanizing window, I think, for a lot of those, like, specifically, like, the idea of witchcraft. So I think especially with the 80s and 90s and the satanic panic, witches kind of got lumped into that a lot. Being, you know, like, devil worshippers, satanic, evil, like, only doing spells for, like, bad purposes, trying to hurt people. And this movie kind of showed the opposite side of that. And I think the more realistic side of that, which is majority of the time, people that actually practice witchcraft typically tend to do it to like protect themselves or to worship the earth. And it's more of a peaceful, like more kinder practice than it is usually like satanic or evil by any means. Yes. Um, you know, at the time, you know, I remember satanic panic. You know, um, when D&D was considered uh, a Satanist game um, or the devil's game. That was the satanic panic. It's definitely not an issue so much now, but back in the 80s and 90s, people were fucking crazy with the satanic shit. The moral panic was very real. So real. I mean, people were trying to raid like pre-case over this stuff. So it was insane. 
so I, I like the fact that like the craft tried to I guess more normalize or humanize like this practice and tried to show like the actual like or almost real ways that witches actually practice and the fact that it's not necessarily an evil thing and I also I will say I do like that they made like a a made-up deity for this instead of using like a real one I like the reasoning that I read that the reason they picked it was to avoid anyone messing with something that they might not know enough about which I think is really smart Personally, I think it's a little weird that they didn't pick, like, or make up, like, a female deity to get their powers from personally. Because I think it's kind of strange that they have to ask a man to get power. Yeah, I can I can see where you're coming from now. But back in 1996, we weren't having these conversations we are now. And it, in all honesty, it doesn't bother me so much because I did get so much out of that movie as far as being a strong woman. Being okay with being a weirdo, you know, being okay with, you know, marching to the beat of my own drum. So I guess the, that one little detail compared to everything else it brought me doesn't bother me so much. But I, I do like the fact that they did not use real deities. They kind of tiptoed on some of the real uh, practices. And, you know, uh, Feruza Balk, who is uh, a Wiccan. She um, was Wiccan at the time of the movie, and she warned them a lot about different things that they were doing, in particular the scene where they're um, at the ocean. Some of the things that they were doing were part of uh, realistic ceremonies amongst the Wiccans. And I guess from my understanding is that there was this huge, huge storm that came up and uh, basically, there was supposed to be a low tide, and instead it, like, washed away the whole set. Interesting. That's a very interesting coincidence. <laughs> yeah, whether whether that's true or not, I don't know. It's just something that I've uh, read that actually, you know, happened on scene. But, you know, the 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 major premise of what you do will come back to you. That's a big part of the Wiccan religion. The as above, so below, that's a part of the Wiccan religion. So they they tiptoed. Yeah, and I don't think that's necessarily wrong. I mean, I think for me personally, I'm not a huge fan of Wicca specifically. I think it's a little constrictive versus like other like pagan beliefs and things like that. But that's just my own personal opinion. But I think they did a good job of representing Wicca specifically. And the general idea of witchcraft. Granted, you know, like you can't actually fly, but it's a movie. <laughs> they made people feel like it's okay. Like it's okay to want to be a Wiccan. It's okay to uh, dress goth. It, it, it did a lot of normalizing of a lot of things. And I would say that from my experience that at that time, the um the amount of people that were converting to the Wiccan religion skyrocketed, and the amount of people who were dressing a little bit more goth also skyrocketed. So they kind of brought in like a nice little normalization, and I like I like it. Oh yeah. So with that, we have the 2020, the Craft Legacy, which I know you did not like whatsoever. If y'all could see my face. <laughs> Just grimacing. 
I mean, I I didn't love it. I also didn't hate it. I would give it like a 4.5 out of 10. Like, I see what they were trying to do. I think this would have been a really good miniseries. Like, give me six episodes of this. Like, six hours worth of it, you know? I did not hate it. But I would probably give it about a 2 out of 10. And the only reason why I did not hate it is because the um, fan favorite Nancy Downs, played by Bruza Balk, returns. And I love that character so much. Like, it was awesome. That was the best part of the whole movie. So I liked it because, again, I am, like, a baby millennial, early Gen Z. I'm a millennial. And so I think I'm more the audience they were trying to go for in this movie. Whether or not that's that was a good choice or not, you know, you can debate, I guess. But I think it was they were trying to make a more like updated. It's not a reboot; it's like a sequel, an indirect sequel, um, which I think they tried to hide that as like the big big twist at the end is that it was a sequel and not a reboot. Like they, if I remember correctly from 2020, I think they tried to make it sound like it was going to be a full on reboot, and then the twist was it wasn't. But I think it's like, there are some little threads that I found really interesting. It's just in 90 minutes, there's not enough time to do everything that they wanted to do, I think. And it would have been vastly better as like a limited run series, in my opinion. Yeah, I feel like they had one good ideal, which was, (gasps) you know, uh, Fruza Bulk, Nancy Downs is back. And everything else from that point was unthought of like they just were throwing in plots just because i i don't agree with that i think there was a i think the intention was to have a an updated version of the craft because it follows a lot of the similar plot points or a lot of similar ideas that the craft went through you know these three girls who are kind of misfits practicing together looking for their fourth they find their fourth she has some kind of power in her ancestry to actually give them real magic powers. And granted, definitely a more updated version of how their powers manifest. Definitely more of like Chilling Adventures of Sabrina kind of magic than like the 96 craft. You didn't have anybody like having basically like a blowtorch in their fingers and like being able to force push people and stop time. Like, their powers were way, way more powerful than the original girls. Yeah. And I think partly that, I think, again, is because they were trying to, like, update it and make it feel more like, again, like, the chilling adventures of Sabrina. Because that was so big when they were probably in the pre-production for this. hmm And I really like the chilling adventures of Sabrina. Um, it's a great show. But they, they fucked up. It could have done it. It could have gone so far if they had done it right. I do like that the women. I will say I do like that the women are much more cohesive than the original four girls. They are. Uh, they got each other's back, and that's throughout the whole movie. So I do like that. But no, I. It had potential, but it fell far far short and i i the only thing that saved it was for the bulk i think again it's partially because i think i was more of like the 
intended audience that they were looking for, like a younger like woman or a younger person. Um, Because for me, I picked up on a lot of like themes and threads that I liked and I could see a lot of similarities from the original one, you know, them finding their fourth, you know, being able to manifest actual powers. I agree. I think their powers were a little bit too much to fit in in the universe from like the original one. I think it was a little much, in my opinion. But, you know, they're messing around with personality spells, like making Timmy be his highest self. You know, him becoming more sensitive and empathetic to other people and stop being such like a macho like douchebag. Toying around with love spells and having it not go great. Potentially not going great. But I think this one is more focusing on instead of like women getting power, because I feel like that's such an overdone or like oversaturated plot line these days or like theme these days. I think this one was more focusing on kind of the battle of like the divine feminine and like toxic masculinity in a way where it's like women gaining power and how men react to that. I think that's what the intention was. I don't think it came off really well. I feel like that was like an underdeveloped plot point, even though that was like apparently the main plot was um, Lily's stepdad trying to steal her powers because he's he's like also part of like a pagan coven, like a man coven. And he's like a, it kind of insinuated that he's demonic in a way, which I thought was kind of weird, but I mean, he's the villain. So like, I, you know, it is what it is. But the fact that like he was threatened because he knew that he had like a very powerful woman in his home or he's been tracking her down his, her whole life to steal her power from her. So I think it was more updating the premise of the story or the themes of it to be more about how women have become empowered and women are powerful now or have a lot more power than they have in you know any previous time and how men are reacting to that and how some men may feel threatened by that. So like I I like all of that but you need to connect the audience to the characters. They did gave none of these girls many things to connect to. You didn't know who they were. You didn't feel who they were. They, you know, they were just kind of there. And I feel for the actresses, they were are all really good actresses, but they were not given the platform they needed to develop these characters. Oh, for sure. I, again, I am of the solid belief that I think this would have been a really, really good miniseries because 90 minutes was not enough to develop all of the characters that we have because they have quite like quite a few characters compared to the original craft like core named characters right and you only get these little slivers of things like the main four girls aren't really dealing with a lot of like issues they're just kind of like they were looking for their fourth and then they found it and it's like yay we found her we can actually do magic now you're not getting any of their personal struggles you're not getting much background about them you don't meet their parents at any point it's just they're there and they're just to help back up Lily, which I think would be fine, but they didn't really have much other than just like basic personality traits and the fact that they were there. Yeah. I feel like they cut these actresses off and they, you know, did not give them the platform that they needed in order to present these characters properly to the screen. So I think the actresses did a great job of their performances. I think it's more on like the actual writing itself, not 
having much depth to the character so the characters feel flat but i think the actual performance itself was really good and you know it's like a it's like a teenage drama right you can't have a teenage drama without drama i mean yeah again i think that's why this would have been a better miniseries because the real drama again was the fact that lily's stepdad adam was trying to steal her power the whole time and in my opinion, watching through it, I picked up on that really quickly with some of the few hints. Like, you get, like, four or five hints throughout the movie until it becomes overtly obvious that he's an issue and a threat. But I feel like it was too underplayed. Like, he just kind of seemed like an overbearing father figure, but not in, like, a necessarily sinister way until, like, the very end. When he's got his, like, weird, like, men's help group and they're doing some weird shit in, like, the living room. And, you know, at the end of the movie, when the the girls come together and, you know, they're, they have all these really cool powers that they've developed in the last day. And, you know, I don't know how they know how to use all these powers, but, you know, I digress. You know, they have all these, like, crazy powers up against this very powerful, um, I guess you could call a warlock. I think they were considered warlocks I think they in the movie. Called them warlocks. I think in like actual life, you just call a male witch a witch unless they say otherwise. Right. It wasn't much of a fight. No. Like he threw them all. Like he again. He like force pushed them away, and then they all got in a circle and they burned him up, and that was it. Like again, I would have loved this as a mini series. You would have been able to go through all the plot points better, and you would have had a badass fight at the end, like a badass magic fight. You know. Yeah. Like. They they should have been bloodied. They're like it should have been like limping out of the woods. Super, yeah. Like oh my god, we're almost dead. But in, instead, they were like, we're powerful women. We got this. <laughs> yeah. Like again, I see what they were trying to do, and I didn't hate it. But it's definitely not something I would rewatch. And I feel like there's just a lot of really like clunky, weird writing. Like I specifically was watching it and I was like chuckling. I had to pause for a second because I was like laughing kind of uncomfortably. Specifically when the three girls are able to like telepathically call to Lily and get her to leave detention. And you have, I think it was Frankie. She was like freaking out about it and like so excited that telepathy worked and going on. And she just starts stringing together all of these like text shortcuts, you know, like JK, FRJK, like stuff like that. And I'm just like, this screams like a boomer, like a Gen X person wrote this. And this is what they think kids talk like. (laughs) As I was listening to this, I was like, who, who, no one talks like that anymore. Like maybe in 2010, 2005, maybe, but not now. (laughs) Yeah, it it was definitely like out out of date. It was just apparent to me that they didn't have like any, either like younger millennials or even Gen Zers helping with the script writing like it was apparent I looked into it too and the two writers one is a boomer and one is like an older Gen X so it makes sense that that's what they think teenagers talk like but it was ooh, it was a little cringe see I didn't know because like I am a Gen Xer and I don't know it's what the kids could be saying now so I didn't know I mean, my husband says Lamau a lot. 
or like goal but like it was a lot I didn't write it down but I just remember hearing like this string of like text abbreviations and I'm like no one I have not heard people talk like that since like I was in like middle school and high school and that was almost a decade ago at this point (laughs) so kids these days are definitely not like high schoolers nowadays are definitely not talking like that anymore that's good to know because now that I know I'll probably go back and laugh yeah it's I I found it cringy I found a lot of points in this movie kind of cringy yeah it's it's a no good it's like I I felt very like half baked half put together yeah I feel like they had the one good concept and that's all they had no I mean I I really like the base idea of like the coven having to go up against a man trying to dismantle their power and take away their power. I think that's a really interesting theme and you can do a lot with that. I just don't, I don't think they handled it well and it needed a lot more time. And I also just don't, I feel like the whole Timmy plotline was kind of a mess. Like it started off okay. And then it just got messy real quick. It was drama, but maybe not the drama we were looking for. Yeah. And again, I think they mainly had Timmy as like, you know, he started off being the bully and being just like an asshole. So then they do a spell on him and suddenly he's this really empathetic, sweet, nice guy. And you actually get to like empathize with him and realize that he's a person and he isn't such a bad guy after they kind of like take away his like toxic bravado almost. And how they do that is really disgusting. Yeah, that was gross. I found that part kind of funny, but definitely gross at the same time. But I just feel like I think they were trying to pull like similar themes to how, you know, it was kind of handled with Chris's character in the original craft where he kind of became like their puppy dog instantly. And like all of his friends were weirded out and like trying to draw a parallel that way, which I think worked. But I just feel like he could have had more development. Like, I really hate the fact that he kind of confides in them that he's questioning his sexuality and he might be bisexual. And then he's dead the next scene. Like, he's he's gone. I feel like that kind of sucks. I wish that they could have developed that a bit more and maybe had some more struggle than him, like, getting teary-eyed about it, like, for half a second. And then he's dead. Bang, he's done. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's terrible. I think it falls into the same thing of like just trying to capitalize off of the nostalgia factor without putting the the love and craftsmanship that this movie should have had to make it successful on its own. Agreed. It it needed a lot more TLC than what it got. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think it's a it's an okay starting off point. I think it just needed a lot more development. And again, I think this would have made a really good miniseries. Like, give me six episodes. I think you could develop a nice, interesting plot, have it be reminiscent enough of the original movie that it's based off of, and give all of the different subplots and main plots enough time to develop properly and to make it more engaging for the viewer. If you really think about it, it could have been this really huge plot, but it got deflated. Yeah, and again, I think they were trying to do something similar where, like, in the original movie, Nancy doesn't really become the villain until like well over halfway into the movie right and then she swaps to being the villain from being you know a friend and I think that's what they were trying to do with this with Adam being like the the father figure 
And then it's revealed like, oh, actually, he's the villain the whole time. I think that's what they were trying to do. But in this instance, it just didn't work because you barely see him in the movie. Like, he's barely there. He just kind of pops up randomly as being, like, the overbearing fatherly type. And, like, again, they give some hints of, like, you know, visual things with, like, the first time he comes on screen, there's, like, the snake that startles Lily. And, like, his book titles are, like, the book flying out of Lily's hand as she's, like, reading through it. Those are a couple signs that he's the big bad guy, but those are, like, right at the beginning of the movie, and I feel like they're not strong enough hints that something bad's happening. Right, and one of the things I wondered is, because, you know, obviously, Fruza uh, Bulk, Nancy Downs is Lily's real mother. They don't really go into, like, where he came in, and I'm wondering if if they were to do a second movie of this, which I doubt. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I don't want it to happen, honestly. If they would explore the idea that maybe he's the father. I mean, maybe. Regardless of... I don't know if they would ever really go into that, because regardless of who the father is, it's not going to be a nice story. Because she's been in a mental institution since the 90s. You know, since she was put in at the end of the original Craft movie. She sure was not pregnant when she went in there. Yeah. Well, she's only like 16 years old. So, yeah, no. she So she would have had to been there for a while in the facility. Yeah, because the timelines don't make, make sense. Because I definitely think the Craft legacy is supposed to take place in 2020 or around present day. So... For that to have happened, she would have had to have a kid, like, in the early 2000s, which obviously doesn't make sense if she went into the asylum pregnant. But it's like, that's just a a tough story that I don't know if they would really want to explicitly go into. I think they would, a studio would probably rather just imply how that happened. I don't know. I got... I think it had potential. It was just they were trying to go off the nostalgia points and just kind of put something out there. And I think it fell really short of what it could have been. Yeah. But I feel that way a lot of the time when they do like sequels or reboots of like classic franchises, it's more about just getting the money from the name recognition and rather than like putting the love and care that they should have. Right. Um, like they like they done in the um, the new Halloween sequels, like they're so good you know i mean it's possible oh exactly it's possible but you have to, you have to do it right it's just a lot of it's a lot of these sequels are not doing they're just not doing it they're not cutting it going back to the original movie definitely if I had to choose which one I identified with, probably would be Nancy Downs. Who would you identify with? I feel like I want to say Sarah, because I really like Sarah. Granted, she's the main character, so she's supposed to be the most like sympathetic and empathetic. But probably also a bit of Bonnie. Just because like, I tend to be like a really like closed-off person, and I... I mean, I just like wearing a lot of clothes. Like, I am just known for layering every everywhere. But, like, I relate to that where it's just, like, I like to be, like, really, like, quiet in the background. I think I identify with uh, Nancy Downs, not because she's evil um, or wicked. It's because 
I, I, she, I think she's a very strong woman. I think she's, um, I like the way, I like her look. I like, I like her character. I just think it's really a fantastic character. And I, I just identify with it. I identify with being that weirdo. Yeah, I feel you. I think that's why I think I maybe more with Sarah because like she's definitely a strong woman too. I think with her, it's the fact that like she has a lot of really bad stuff happen to her throughout, like obviously different things than Nancy for sure. But even with like the girls binding her and everything and like Nancy trying to kill her and the fact that she always tries to pick the higher road, I think is like what I really like about Sarah. The fact that regardless of who tries to hurt her, she constantly is trying to find ways to like fix the problem rather than lashing out and trying to like get revenge. And I think that's like the key character character difference between her and Nancy is the fact that Nancy's here for revenge. She just wants, you know, to hurt some people because she's been hurt. Whereas Sarah's been hurt too in different ways, granted. And she tries to find ways to not get hurt again, but also not hurt others. Which, again, that's why she ends up fine at the end and has magic at the end. Because she's obviously, like... She's a she's a natural good witch. I don't know if you could be a natural good or bad witch. I'm just saying she's a natural good witch. And, you know, I do, I do love Sarah. But, like, I, I have to say when, you know, uh, Nancy Down screams, You're weak! I kind of felt she was. She was, but she wasn't because in the in the end, good will always prevail over evil. And she found her power. Oh, yeah. And I feel like part of the movie was also trying to show that, like, just because you appear weak or you might appear weak to others doesn't mean you actually are. And I think that kind of goes along with a lot of the like women empowerment throughout the movie is the fact that like a lot of traditionally like feminine things tend to be perceived as weak. But in actuality, it's not. But yeah, that, you know, that whole, like, feminine versus non, you know, not as feminine or tomboyish, as they would say. The argument has been raging for years and it, it has to stop. Who cares who's more feminine, feminine and who's not? Not even that, but like, why does it matter if you're not a very feminine girl, if you identify as a girl? Live your life. It doesn't matter. Like, I myself, I'm not the most... I definitely like feminine things and I can definitely bring up more feminine parts of my personality, but I wouldn't say I'm like a big girly girl. I mean, I like having my hair done. I like doing makeup. I like dresses and my nails done and stuff, but I also definitely identify more as like a tomboy. You know, I like more like, you know, like metal or movies. I definitely dress on the more masculine side with like flannels and baggy shirts and big boots and stuff. But doesn't make me less of a woman just because maybe I look more masculine or are into more masculine things. And I think that's one of the things in the movie that you could probably take from it that I really enjoyed. And another thing that I really enjoyed from the new craft legacy is the different representation that we did have in the movie and the fact that it wasn't all just like white girls with like one black girl. He had a nice mixture of people in the movie. Right. So I really liked that. I loved that the main four girls were all so dramatically different and came from such different backgrounds. You know, the fact that we had, you know, Lily was like the one white girl. You had Lourdes, who was a trans girl. And I love that representation and the fact that that wasn't even a question or an issue in the movie. And the fact that she was, you know, she's a girl. She has been 
fully um, accepted and it's not an issue for her. And I love that. The fact that she's able to talk not like nonchalantly about the fact that she's a trans girl and just accept it in the movie. I love that. And I love the fact that they did have a trans actress playing this role. So I feel like that's something that's been an issue in the past. And then on top of it, too, you have Frankie, who's Hispanic, and Tabby, who's Black. So you have, like, a nice mixture of different kinds of girls and different backgrounds of, you know, cultures and heritage. Which I know is a huge critique from the original one, is that it's it was the opposite of that. And I, as I like, if I look at it now in 2022, I can see where you're coming from. But back in the 90s, none of this was really that big of a conversation. Although they should have gone further into her story, which is probably my only critique, is that the Rochelle character should have had more of a story. And it's sad because a little bit of like reading I did into like behind the scenes stuff is, I guess originally they did have a whole scene where she was going to go home. She was going to actually have on screen named parents like the rest of the girls. Like you're going to see her parents in her home. And it was going to be showing off how on top of having like racist classmates that are constantly bullying her just for the color of her skin and how her hair looks and how she looks. She was also going to have parental pressure to be an outstanding student and to have amazing grades and to academically outperform so she could be viewed as like a model minority. So it's going to be that extra level of like difficulty she's dealing with because of like racist issues and the fact that the school's not diverse. And I feel like that plot line would have elevated her character so much because she is the only one where you don't see her family or her home life whatsoever. And it's, I think it really cheapens the overall storyline with her and the overall message with her, which is anti-racism and trying to show how hurtful and bad these situations can be because you're not giving her more depth to it. You're not giving her more, um, just more elements to kind of focus on rather than the fact that people are bullying her for being black and that's wrong, which it is, but I would have loved to have that extra layer to kind of give it more, more depth. Yeah. More depth and make it feel more realistic and show how it's not just white people putting pressure on her, but it's her own family putting pressure on her. I definitely think, though, it so the way I view things, uh, you know, up until 2022 currently is that we've kind of been taking baby steps towards the right thing. Should we be taking baby steps? No. I mean, we should be at our destination by now. We're a little slow on the uptake, unfortunately. You know, they, you know, and going to the real person, Rachel True. She has been struggling. I don't know about so much anymore, but, you know, being invited to conventions and events with the other three girls. How can you, how can you have a reunion without all four girls? Is it because she's a Black actress? Is it because she's maybe not as famous as the three white women? I don't know, but, you know... I was so thrilled and happy that the convention that I did go to did invite her for the reunion. And she is so sweet and she was so happy to be there. And that as a fan makes you feel so good. And, you know, just to have 
these four amazing actresses, two on each side of me, it definitely had a personal impact because all four of these girls, now grown women, have, um, with their careers and with this movie, have just made a, a tremendous impact. Yeah, I, I think overall, given its problems, and granted that's all with hindsight, obviously, different times and a different culture through and through, I think The Craft is still a really good movie. It's a fun watch, if nothing else. And I think it did a great job at the time to kind of humanize and normalize a lot of kind of what a lot of people would probably consider like countercultures at the time. And I definitely think if you haven't watched it yet, definitely worth a watch, if nothing else, just to see it. Definitely, I think a really good, you know, 90s horror movie, if you could call it that. It's, I think, more of like a, a thriller maybe than horror, but definitely some horror elements in it, especially at the end. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's considered a horror movie. It's definitely, you have the movie Mean Girls. Well, these girls are far beyond mean. It's it's such a good movie. And I think if you, definitely if you're a young woman, I would recommend watching this movie. Yeah, at least once. Again, it's a really fun movie and I enjoyed it. Even with like my critiques and my feelings about it, it's at the end of the day, it's a good movie. It's a well-made movie. I really enjoy the overall set design for it. The costuming is really good. Like they did a really good job in the costuming specifically. And I know it was because they had to follow up after Clueless and you have to do amazing costuming after that. <laughs> yes. That all oh, the costuming is just, oh, I heard it so much. Even just like how the costumes kind of reflect where the girls are mentally at certain points in the movie. Like, I think they did such a great job of kind of subtly showing you how they were seeing things and who was their big influence. And again, that's where Craft Legacy just fell short. Yeah. It didn't have that level of detail that it should have. Yeah, I didn't. I, I mean, I like that they all had like their original styles, but mm, no, the original costumes are so much better. Yeah. Well, I think that about wraps up kind of our thoughts on these two movies. Definitely for better or for worse. Give them both a watch so you can see, you know, how you like them or if you like them at all. <laughs> so feel free to, you know, shoot us an email, comment, message us if you have any thoughts on these movies yourself. We'd love to hear them. And we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. Stay spooky.